All right, back here on the Sort of Sports Podcast, episode 75. We are now a ways into the episodes, episode 75. That is, uh, <laughs> it feels like a lot. It's been doing, it's been, I've been doing this for three, over three years now. And, you know, now we got the uh, other channel going on where I make videos. And so I feel like we're doing a lot. And by we, I mean um, you and me, us together. I'm making stuff and hopefully you're enjoying it. I actually just put out on the other channel, um, I'll link the other channel below, uh, the, the video channel of mine. I made a little skit, thought it was pretty funny, so I videoed that last week and recorded Well, last week. It was only a couple days ago because I'm recording this on Thursday. So I recorded that Monday and edited all that, put it together. I thought it was pretty funny, so... If you want to go check that out, that's on the other channel. Over there is also the Burn Notice video and then a video I made about how I would book CM Punk now that he's returned to WWE. Got some more ideas in the old noggin that I'm going to be making into videos over there. The Sort of Sporties Award Show will be over there this year, and it's going to be fun. Okay, so today... Um, <sighs> really like don't don't enjoy I oh my gosh I really don't want to talk about this but I feel like I have to cuz it obviously is going to affect me I'm going to okay let's talk about this real quick years back Giannis Antetokounmpo was rumored I don't even know if it was real rumors or media making rumors whatever it was to be joining the Golden State Warriors in the offseason. This is before this is the end of the 2020 season. He then signed a Supermax with the Milwaukee Bucks, went on and won the finals MVP, had an incredible finals run, and won the NBA finals. Great work from Giannis. Definitively naming himself the best player in the league up until Jokic took that title uh, the next year. Eh, yeah, probably the next year. Say 2022, Jokic became the best player in the league. My buddy Dalton and I talked, and he said, what would you have done if Giannis had left the Bucks and went to the Warriors? I said, I don't know. I've never really thought about it. He says, you know what I think? And I said, what? And he goes, I think you would have just stopped watching NBA. You would have been so upset and so angered by that that you just would have stopped watching NBA for a while. I said, that's an interesting idea. That's crazy to think about. Moved on. In baseball, I'm a dirty whore. I play with every team. Except for two. The Los Angeles Dodgers and the New York Yankees. In baseball, I have two favorite players. Juan Soto, love him. And the best player, I think, will go down as the best player of all time, Shohei Otani. Juan Soto is now a New York Yankee. And Shohei Otani has signed a 10-year deal with the Los Angeles Dodgers. It's just, you know, what did I do to deserve this? You know, baseball, probably my favorite sport. I think it's definitive it is my favorite sport. I love baseball. I love watching baseball. I love talking about baseball. I love listening to podcasts about baseball. I just, I mean, John Boy Media puts out the best baseball stuff on the planet. They're great coverage. And... 
it's just it sucks it really sucks um are the Yankees going to win the World Series now? Probably not. Um, they get stars all the time. It just doesn't work for the Yankees. The Dodgers, yeah, I've always said, you know, they can't buy wins, but it's pretty easy to buy wins when you have the best player in the league. I mean, they have show for 10 years. He's deferred $680 million of a $700 million deal to the end of his contract, which is crazy. Um, he's going to get paid $2 million a year. So he actually made more when he was playing overseas than he's going to play right now for the Dodgers per year, which is insanity. And that's going to lead to them signing other high-quality, big names. And they're just going to get better. And so it's like... (sighs) Why? (sighs) Who do I even root for now? Like, I don't have a fair player. It was Tatis for the longest time, and then he did the steroids. And that upset me. And, like, yeah, I like Julio Rodriguez. He's cool. But, like, I don't like him that much. I mean, I have a Shohei Otani shirt. I have a Juan Soto shirt. I'm not buying a Yankees Soto shirt. I'm not buying a Dodgers Otani shirt. It's all ruined. It's just all ruined. Okay. Um. Well, I say we just move on because I don't want to talk about it anymore. I do want to give a quick shout out to uh, Tyrese Halliburton. He is playing like the best point guard in the NBA right now. Pacers losing the in-season tournament. Adam Silver cooked again. The in-season tournament was a fun thing. They need to fix the courts, obviously. Don't do all the colored courts. Um, Keep it simple. Do hardwood, please. Well, it's still hardwood, but, you know, it's painted. Just do the straight-up hardwood look. Keep it cleaner. It was a shame the Lakers won because I really think the Pacers have been great for them to win it and Tyrese kind of make a statement like, yeah, I'm that guy now. It's a shame the Pacers didn't win, but uh, it's still cool that they were in the final. Got a little more eyes on the Pacers, and that's good. Pacers have been a fun team. Um I think really their peak is a second round out this year. But going forward, if they get have a decent offseason, I do think Tyrese Halliburton can be the best player on a championship team. He is that quality. I've really been impressed by Tyrese Halliburton. As a guy who wasn't insanely high on him in the past, I've really come around to accepting the fact that he is exceptional. So props to Tyrese Halliburton. Okay, um, in my notes for this episode, I had for I said MLB, colon, and then under that I just put Y. So that shows you how I felt about that. College football, uh, Jaden Daniels, he won the Heisman. I did think that was going to happen, and that is exactly what happened. Uh, Penix actually won the fan vote, though. People were pretty upset, saying Penix should have won. I get that. Don't get me wrong. I do think Jaden Daniels is very stat-heavy. Um, but he did have a really good season. People are saying worst Heisman ever. That's not true. But um, is he as impressive as Joe Burrow, as Devontae Smith, as even Bryce Young, like a lot of the recent winners? Probably not. Um, but it wasn't a bad season by any stretch. So I think Jaden Daniels did do well. I think he deserved it. It's fine. Did Penix deserve it maybe more? Maybe. Like, I'm being honest, I think Penix really made a great case, but Jaden Daniels did really have great numbers, and so I'm not really surprised they gave it to him. It wasn't as much of a he didn't deserve it as much as a um, 
I knew they were going to do that. It's kind of like Embiid with the MVP last year. I think everyone knows Embiid wasn't the MVP last year, but when they voted on it, a lot of people were like, oh, look at Embiid's numbers, da 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 and then in the playoffs, they got completely proven that Jokic should have won the MVP last year for NBA. And so it'll be interesting to see if Washington wins and beats Texas and goes to the national championship. And let's say, like, if Washington wins the national championship, then it's like, boom, Panic should have been Heisman. But if they don't do that, then I think um, that kind of makes it like, oh, okay. Which I know is weird because obviously it's not like Jaden Daniels is in the playoffs, but I'm just saying that is a reality. People are going to remember what happens post-Heisman. So it'll be interesting to see how Panic's response in the playoffs. Okay, that's really all I had to talk about for college football, MLB, and NBA. Um, I'm really just going to put the image of Shohei over this whole thing, even though I hate looking at it, but I don't really think I need to switch up the images being this. It was pretty quick. I think we're only like seven minutes in. It's time now to talk about the NFL. So the Eagles lost to the Cowboys on Sunday night football. The Cowboys and Eagles now both nine, not nine and three, um, both 10 and three on the year. So that's very interesting. The Cowboys might actually be them boys for once. Uh, they have played really well. Um, I cannot deny that. Even though I'm a certified Cowboys hater, I cannot deny the fact that they have both, not both, they have been operating at full tilt. Um, Dak Prescott is having a really strong year for them. I don't really love their receiving core. I know, might be a bad take, but I'm just saying. I don't love Pollard as your starting running back, but for some reason they continue to win. I do think the defense is very strong. I mean, Micah Parsons is that guy, so that really helps him out. And in a weird year, the Cowboys seem like a weird team that you would see in the Super Bowl. But like I said, I feel like we're destined for a really weird Super Bowl. And when it ends up being Dolphins-Cowboys, we're going to be like, how the hell did we get here? And this is where that starts. Do I really think the Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl? Probably not. The title of this episode is literally, Does Anyone Want to Win the Super Bowl? Because I'm just incredibly confused of what's going on in the NFL. I do think this is a year where you're seeing a shift from a more offensively dominated league to a more defensive dominant league. And because of that, we're getting really weird results. I mean, the gap between your best teams and your worst teams is really not that big. I mean, I think other than the Panthers, if any team plays any team, there's a chance, there's like a the other like it's going to be a close game most likely there's a decent chance it's a close game like the second worst record in the league right now is the cardinals at 3 and 10 and the patriots at 3 and 10 i could see both of those teams putting up a close game against um like the um uh, that's probably not the best example but um like like okay for example the bills are 7 and 6 if they played the Cardinals, son, like this week, I honestly could see it being a pretty close game. That Cardinals team is not that bad, even though they're three and ten. Dolphins are nine and four. I could see them losing to the Cardinals. Now the Patriots, I would say, I'm a little less faith in. But I'm saying that just shows there's really not that many teams that are like terrible. Panthers are one and twelve. Cardinals are three and ten. Patriots are three and ten. After that, everybody has five wins or more. Which you no know, five wins isn't that many. I mean, that's still five wins out of. Uh, what are we at now? We're in week 15 now. Yes, yeah, so we've been through 14 weeks of football and winning five weeks isn't that much. But still, it's the idea that the league's very spread this year. I mean, there's no team that's going to have like a 
fifteen and two record. I mean, the best possible record right now would be fourteen and three, which is still a hell of a record. But I would be surprised if the best record in the league ends up being thirteen and four. Which I wonder, like, when was the last time the best record in the league was uh, less than fourteen wins? Because last year the Eagles had fourteen wins. Year before that, um, oh, I guess it wasn't that long ago, because uh, the twenty twenty one season, the Packers had the best record in the NFC at thirteen and four. Hmm. So I guess it's not that. It's not that far. I just usually feel like there's one team that gets about fourteen wins, but I'm wrong. I'm looking back twenty twenty, same thing. Thirteen wins is the best record. Let's look back at 2019. 13 wins is the best record. So 13 is really the one. So it would be interesting if there's no team with 13 wins this year. Which would mean the Niners have to lose four more games out of uh, their next five. No, they only have four games left. So I do think a team's going to have 13 wins this year. Because I don't see the Niners losing to the Commanders. There's a chance they lose to the Cardinals. There's a chance they lose the Ravens. There's a chance they lose the Rams. I don't see them losing to the Commanders. I'm going to be honest. Watch, they're going to win every game but that just because I said that. No, but the Cowboys, I give them major credit. They completely handled the Eagles. And the Eagles felt like one of those teams that were kind of like, okay, we're comfortable saying you're a Super Bowl contender. Then the Cowboys beat them pretty triumphantly. And it's like, okay, do we say the Cowboys are a Super Bowl contender? It just feels wrong to say that. But who knows? The Niners are back to looking like beasts. I got to give them credit. The Niners have been playing really good football. Uh, my guy Brock has been killing it. Christian McCaffrey is that guy right now, and I love Christian McCaffrey, so I'm happy for him. But the Niners are back to looking like an absolute beast of a team, so starting to feel like, okay, maybe can we believe in them winning the Super Bowl once again. Joe Flacco continues to somehow impress. He did lose uh, two weeks ago, but last week uh, he did beat the uh, – the Jaguars and he played pretty well I gotta give Joe Flacco credit he's um been impressive which is just wild that he would start two games and Joe Flacco starting two games this year for a playoff team potential playoff team was not on my 2023 NFL bingo card this MVP race I know it's been talked about a lot but it's so whack it is just completely whack to me it does I'm saying I feel like we're seeing the shift to a more offensively dominant league and I mean sorry defensively dominant league so because of that you know we're not really there's not really a clear-cut MVP guy like Dak has a case Brock has a case Hertz Lamar Josh Allen those are kind of your top and <laughs> let's see what the MVP odds are like right now let's go right now the favorites Dak Prescott so that's um, can I just get an image with like all the I'm trying to see if I can just find an image that's all the just want to pull up NFL MVP odds real quick because I'm curious what like the top five guys are right, this is on covers.com so here we go from from DraftKings Sportsbook uh, we have Dak Prescott then Brock Purdy then Lamar Jalen Hurts, Tyreek Hill, Patrick Mahomes, Tua Tungvaloa, and Josh Allen. Tyreek Hill at 1,600 is probably, in my mind, the best bet. I feel like Tyreek Hill deserves it. 
if the Dolphins can win that division. Uh, he's just been absolutely insane this year. So I I truly believe that Terry Kill should be the MVP because as much as I love Lamar and Brock, I don't really think they deserve it this year. But here's the thing. If Brock Purdy wins MVP, I will be the happiest man. I, I would love that. Do I really think he's that deserving? Not really, but it's just the idea that um, Brock Purdy, a guy who I've been a big fan of for the last two seasons, winning MVP, I would just absolutely love it. The Chiefs lost to the Bills in embarrassing fashion as Mahomes complaining about anybody who watched the game. Uh, Mahomes complaining all about the flag, and he's like, that's the worst call I've ever seen, da 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 You know, throwing a big old fit. Not a good look. I was completely disappointed in Mahomes. I didn't understand that at all. That was embarrassing, honestly. Like, completely embarrassing for Mahomes and the Chiefs. I was like, it was gross. It was really gross. And Sean McDermott, 7-0 off bye weeks. And that was kind of the Chiefs losing that game kind of prompted me to say, okay, who is a Super Bowl contender this year? Because it's we're going to get that to get to that in a moment. The Lions lost to the Bears. The Lions make me so uncomfortable because every game is close, and they usually come out on top. But it's like, can you just trounce a team? And I will say Justin Fields always plays his best games against the Lions. Going to say it again. I don't understand why the Bears would draft Caleb Williams. I think Justin Fields is really good. But I'm concerned they're going to trade Justin Fields, get some assets, and then draft Caleb Williams anyway. But we'll see. We're not talking about the Panthers this episode. Like, for real. We're just not talking about them. Just going to toss it out there. So the Lions do concern me. I, as a guy who believes the Lions can make the Super Bowl, it does bother me that they can't, like, just trounce teams. But I guess winning in close games would be very helpful when you get to the playoffs. So I'm not really sure how to feel about that. I said those Monday night games were going to suck, and then they were gas. Uh, Jordan Love did lose to Tommy DeVito, but it was a close game, really exciting. Giants got a huge win. Giants aren't that bad, but they're not good either. It's so weird. They could somehow make the playoffs, which is crazy to me. And then Zach Wilson beat the Texans. Uh, that wasn't a Monday night game, but I wanted to toss that out there, the fact that both New York teams got a win, and it was under Tommy DeVito and Zach Wilson. Thing is, the Texans, Nico Collins is out and Tank Dell's out for the year, so I'm a little concerned about the Texans because those are like your two best receivers. I don't know how long Nico Collins is out, though. I will say that. Will Levis is super fun right now for the Titans. Uh, it's pretty hard to hate on Will Levis, and he got a big win on Monday night beating the Dolphins, and that was super exciting for him and the Titans. So props to Will Levis. Hopefully he's their franchise guy. Because that's really fun. But yeah, both the Monday night football games were upsets. And they are both really good games. So it was just completely at eat my words there. It's like Roger Goodell listened to the podcast. And he was like, really, Ryan? You don't think it's going to be good games? Get the scripts, boys. And that was, that was that. I mean, he took care of me. Bengals win even with Jake Browning going down. The, he goes down. A.J. McCarron comes in. They're under their third string quarterback. And they still got to win, so props to the Bengals. Okay, let's talk about who can actually win the Super Bowl. I got the betting odds here. This is from ESPN Bet. The most odds are relatively similar. So right now, the favorite is the San Francisco 49ers. And here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to run through every team and explain to you why I think. Because here's the thing. You can obviously nitpick, but I feel like every single team this year has a, like, glaring error in the way that they can win the Super Bowl. Like, I just, I feel like every team has just a, like, complete huge problem. So, for the Niners, they're the favorite. To me, it's like, we've seen, as much as I like Brock, we've seen him play terrible 
Like, I, terrible. Like, we've seen a couple games this year where he just looks super bad. Are they the best team on paper? Yes. Uh, well, on paper, I guess, yeah. I would say they probably are the best team on paper. Them or the Dolphins, I would say, are the best. Or the Eagles. Eh, I don't know if it's that clear. Never mind. But do they have the best coach in the league? Yes. Is Brock a good quarterback? Yes. But can he make major mistakes and lose them games? Yes. So that's the big hole with the Niners is as much as I like Brock, I can't fully trust him winning the Super Bowl. I just can't. Ravens. They lost their top receiver. I think this Ravens team is really good. I think it's the best team Lamar's had. I love Lamar. I think Lamar's playing the best he's ever played. He's also had some games that are real shitters. And having Mark Andrews out feels like a big problem. Dolphins, they have a bad defense. They're the third favorite to win the Super Bowl, and their defense is bad. I don't understand. Chiefs are fourth. We've seen the Chiefs. I mean, we, you, you've seen the Chiefs. We, we know the problems. feels like every game there's a receiver that either drops the ball or, like last week, gets the flag called on them. They, they're still having problems with the receivers. Even though Rasheed Rice is improving, they still have problems at receivers. Eagles, they've lost games they're supposed to win. Maybe they're getting out all their losses while they're in the regular season, but the Eagles, it just feels like you can't really depend on them. The Cowboys, they're the Cowboys. I don't have to explain this to you. The Bills, you want to talk about a team that loses games they're supposed to win. The Bills are the number one. And the Bills are what here? They are one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh favorite for the Super Bowl. We'll run through the top ten. Eighth is the Lions. We already talked about the Lions. They don't trounce teams. And so sometimes they lose because every game's close. Ninth, Jaguars. This Jaguars team is winning the Super Bowl. Look at this team. They're not winning the Super Bowl. It's, I mean, it's that simple. Tenth, Browns. This Browns team is an amazing defense. I would – the biggest problem with the Browns is I don't trust the offense, and I don't really trust Stefanski that much. I just oh, – I just don't. Now, here's the thing. Obviously, you could run through any year and just say nitpick every team. But I feel like all the problems I pointed out are glaring. I don't think there's any team that I feel super confident in winning the Super Bowl. Now, granted, when the playoffs come up, I'm going to have to make my pick. And it's probably going to involve the Niners or the Lions being in the Super Bowl. Obviously, those are two NFC teams. Out of the AFC, I'll probably go with Chiefs just because I trust them. But I would be very surprised if the Super Bowl is Chiefs-Niners or Chiefs-Lions um, or something that like is kind of expected. I don't think Chiefs-Lions is that expected. I think I'm like the only person that expects that. But I'd be very surprised if it is something expected. I think we're in for something really weird. And I'm excited for that, but it's just it's going to be wild to predict. So, does anyone want to win the Super Bowl? There we go. I said the title of the of the video. There's There's a cute little moment. Let's do marquee matchups. 1 p.m. this week, we got Jets versus Dolphins. This Jets team's frisky. They randomly win games. This Dolphins team randomly loses. So let's see what goes on here. Texans versus Titans. Texans looking to right the ship. Titans are coming off a big win. Should be exciting. Two rookie quarterbacks. Interdivision battle. AFC South has been surprisingly fun this year. 4 p.m., Cowboys versus Bills. I don't got to explain this. The Bills just beat the Chiefs. They're hype. Cowboys just beat the Eagles. They're hype. I want the Bills to get a big win here and chill out that Cowboys hype train. Primetime picks. Thursday night football. We got Raiders versus Chargers. Herbert is out for the season. 
It's a damn shame, honestly. I had a friend of mine say that he believes that Justin Herbert is eventually going to be a Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, Pittsburgh Steelers. Is going to be on the Pittsburgh Steelers. He said that he believes Herbert's going to want to leave at some point and the Steelers will go out and get him. I said that is an insane take that came out of nowhere, but I would love to see it because I would I would actually, like, my dad's big Steelers guy. I'm obviously not, but um, I would watch it like that. I would love that if Herbert was on the Steelers. It would be pretty sweet. I could go out and see Herbert live. Uh, is this going to happen? Probably not. It feels like the Steelers are always, like, pseudo-linked to, like, a big-name quarterback if he wants to leave his team. And then they never get him. Kind of like Aaron Rodgers. Or Tom Brady. But is Herbert going to leave the Chargers? I don't think so. I think the Chargers are going to fire Staley, get a new coach in, try to see how it works. And then if that doesn't work out, then Herbert's going to leave. So I think we probably got like four years, maybe three years, till Herbert leaves. Unless they get a new coach in there and it works really well. So yeah, Thursday Night Football, I'm taking the Raiders over the Chargers because Herbert's out. Sunday Night Football, Ravens versus Jaguars. Taking the Ravens here, the Ravens team is better than Jaguars. It's pretty simple. Monday Night Football, Eagles versus Seahawks. Eagles get a big win to kind of um, fix what they last week's primetime matchup for them. Uh, this is a pretty good game, though. Seahawks have been playing worse, though. I, I keep talking them up, and they continue to disappoint. So I guess I shouldn't say anything. Okay, that was it for NFL. Let's move on to ramblings of reels and writings. All right. They released the Beverly Hills Cop 4 trailer, and it actually looks pretty sweet. I was very pleased, um, very, very excited by the fact that it looks pretty great. Um, Taggart and Rosewood are back. Um, it's called Beverly Hills Cop Axel F. So that's that's the title of the film. So that's um it is not Beverly Hills Cop. I mean it is Beverly Hills Cop 4, but it's got a subtitle, Axel F. Uh like I said, Tiger and Rosewood are both back along with Paul Reiser as a Jeffrey. He's back too. And let me check, I didn't see Bogomel in the trailer. So I'm a little concerned. Is he gonna be in the movie? Oh, no. Did they leave him out? No. No. No way. Did they leave him out? I'm going to be very upset. All right, we have to look into this. This This is potentially... This could potentially break my heart. I mean... Okay. Here we go. We're going to go to check this really quick. All right, Ronnie Cox. All right, Ronnie. Let's go to your upcoming movies. Run IMDb. Upcoming. Oh, Ronnie's not in it. They didn't have any role for Bogomel? Man, that's a shame. I can't believe we got Jeffrey back and not Bogomel because Bogomel is more important than Jeffrey, but whatever. Okay, yeah, so Beverly Hills Cop 4 is subtitle Axel F. It's coming summer 2024, and I'm going to be honest, it looks pretty good. Um, it looks like they're going – I hope it's funny, right? I hope uh, they let Eddie cook. Um, Eddie Murphy is my favorite comedian of all time, and he's hilarious to me. Um, he made me laugh as a young kid, as Donkey. And then as I got older, I love the Beverly Hills Cop movies, and he's hilarious in those. 
Uh, hopefully they can still make some commentary on Beverly Hills and everything that goes on in California because that was also part of the funniness of the Beverly Hills Cop movies. I think there's obviously modern things you can make fun of. I hope it's funny, right? Like, that's the number one thing of Beverly Hills Cop. It needs to be funny. But on top of that, I do think it's interesting. They're looking like they're taking themselves a little more seriously. Uh, basically, here's the thing with movie sequels like this nowadays. Top Gun Maverick is the greatest legacy sequel of all time. It took Top Gun and made, a, like, a sequel happens 30 years later in the most, well, 35 years later, in the most perfect way imaginable, where it took the elements last one and um, told an interesting, mature story with the characters from it. And that is, like, the bar for every legacy sequel now. If Beverly Hills Cop 4 can be the Top Gun Maverick of Beverly Hills Cop movies, we win. Like, that is what I want. The thing is, it does kind of need to be funny because Beverly Hills Cop. But if you can find a way to balance like a more mature story that fits, you know, Eddie Murphy being older and Taggart and Rosewood being older, then that'd be perfect. So I really hope, I mean, it's a hard thing to do because Beverly Hills Cop to me is the funniest movie ever made. It makes me laugh more than any movie. I just constantly laugh at that movie. And it's also still a really fun action movie on top of being hilarious it's um, just an absolute banger. I, I love Beverly Hills Cap. I watch it every year on my birthday for a reason because it's probably definitively my favorite movie of all time. And I've been disappointed before by legacy sequels, twice with Indiana Jones. Um, but Top Gun Maverick proved you can do it well. I really want this to be the Top Gun Maverick of the Beverly Hills Cop universe. Hopefully it's incredible. Hopefully it bangs. The poster's sweet. I will say the poster's really cool. The trailer looks good, and I enjoy the fact they don't give away a ton of plot. It's just kind of things happening. It was a good trailer, because I hate it when a trailer does too much. Um, it's funny when you watch a trailer for like a, the new, a new David Fincher movie, or um, like I bet when Tarantino's new movie comes out, like the, the movie critic, the trailer will be really strong. We're like, okay, perfect example, perfect example. A perfect example of a really good trailer was the Mad Max Furiosa trailer because it was just super cool shots that gave away barely any plot. You're just like, oh, okay, so Anya Taylor-Joy is Furiosa. She's the main character. Um, like if somebody that didn't, didn't know who Furiosa was, they would understand that. And then they would see Chris Hemsworth like, oh, he's probably the bad guy. And that's all. And then it was just flashes of different characters and cool shots. That is a perfect modern trailer. I hate it with like the superhero movies now have like made it the thing to give away so much plot in the trailer. And I really don't like that. I don't want to know two thirds. I, mean, I don't want to know the first two acts based off your trailer. Like the, the Marvels, right? The new Marvel movie, that trailer basically gave away the whole movie, what it was going to be like in the trailer. And I would say as much as I love like the Spider-Man movies, like homecoming, Spider-Man homecoming's trailer was like that too. It gave away like the first two acts of the movie in the trailer. It's a shock that they kept the twist of Vulture being uh, his girlfriend's, well, I don't, he wasn't really dating her, but his uh, homecoming date's dad in the trailer. I'm like, super shocked they didn't show us that, being honest. Um, yeah, I'm just a big fan of a good trailer that doesn't give away too much. And this was a good trailer. It didn't give away too much. It was just older Axel. And you get to see Tagger and Rosewood. That was exciting. You get to see Jeffrey. It looks like he's the police chief, which is fun that he is the new chief of police, obviously, because he used to be getting in trouble all the time. And I enjoy that. I really want it to be good. I'm praying it's good. I would love it if it's good. It's going to be on Netflix. 
next summer, and I'm definitely going to watch it like the day it comes out. If they did a limited theater release, I would be there opening night, but they're not doing that. They're just doing a straight-up drop it on Netflix, which is fine, which is fine with me. I'm wrapping up and watching the last couple movies of the year I can. Um, I watched Jaws the other day, a movie that I hadn't actually watched in full, I think, in my entire life. I'd just seen parts of it over time. When I was younger, I always said Steven Spielberg is my favorite director. And then as I got older, I watched um, Pulp Fiction, Django. And I was like, oh, this Tarantino guy is my favorite, which you all know because I talk about Tarantino all the time. And then um, Nolan. Actually, I take it back. Spielberg is my favorite. And then Nolan came along. And I watched like Inception and The Dark Knights. And um, was that really all I had to watch for him to be my favorite? Tenet. I think Tenet was actually, and it was really funny because like not that many people are big on Tenet. I really like Tenet. And after I watched Tenet, I was like, yeah, this guy's my, probably my favorite director. And then I discovered Tarantino movies. He becomes my favorite. And through him, I've watched other big directors now, like Paul Thomas Anderson I've tried. Um, some Coen Brothers movies I've watched. Not probably enough yet. Haven't watched enough Paul Thomas Anderson probably yet. I think I still need to watch There Will Be Blood to really make a definitive decision on what I think of him. But I've watched a couple of his movies. Um, I enjoy Soderbergh movies. I watched Ocean's Eleven the other day. I liked it. It felt like a movie that on paper should like be made for me. And um, it wasn't exactly what I wanted. I enjoyed it a lot. But um, it's not going in the Hall of Fame. Sorry, guys. But... Soderbergh's interesting to me because he's a director that I really like, but he has yet I've yet to find a movie of his that's like for me. Maybe Out of Sight is that movie because it's based off an Elmore Leonard novel, and it's got uh, Jennifer Lopez, who, um, you know, I enjoy watching in movies, and <laughs> Clooney, who I also um, '90s Clooney I really like. Post. Actually, anything really after the Oceans movies of Clooney, I'm not intrigued. I feel like he's kind of stuck being Danny Ocean. Like, I feel like he was just so good as that. It was like, oh, we don't know what else to do with you now. So I feel like Clooney's kind of weird now. But, you know, Clooney pre-Oceans is fun. I, like like I said, after the Oceans movies, he kind of couldn't really figure out what he, did, what he could do next. But, yeah, Out of Sight maybe is that movie of Soderbergh's that's, like, met for me that I got to watch. That's the same thing with Paul Thomas Anderson. Is like, I don't really have any of his movies that I love. And maybe it is There Will Be Blood. Maybe that's the one. Or maybe it's Secretly Inherent Vice or it's The Master. I don't think it would be those. But maybe I'll watch those eventually. Rest to Arantino, Um, Every single one of his movies, I'd say, feels like it's made for me. Except Reservoir Dogs, actually. Over time, Reservoir Dogs has kind of become my least favorite Tarantino movie out of the ones I've watched. Because I was just telling G the other day, you know, this was the year I talked about I was going to watch every Tarantino movie and rank them. And I think I've decided that next year I will watch them all in like a six-month period and then rank them. But I didn't want to watch them all for the first time in the same year because I wanted to let them sit. And, like, let me think of them over time. Because, like, if I were to watch them all this year, like, I would have watched, like, Jackie Brown, Reservoir Dogs, Inglorious Bastards all in June. And then, like, in July, I would have watched, like, Kill Bill 1 and 2, Death Proof, Hateful Eight, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Then it's like I'm just cramming it all in. I'm not letting it sit and kind of um, th- let me think about it. Whereas this year, 
the Tarantino movies I watched for the first time this year were Reservoir Dogs and Jackie Brown. And I've had a lot of time to think about them when I think about them. Whereas originally when I first watched them, I liked Reservoir Dogs more than Jackie Brown. And Glorious Bastards my least favorite Tarantino. Actually, Jackie Brown is my least favorite Tarantino film. Now we're in December, and I like Jackie Brown more than Reservoir Dogs. And I think I like Inglorious Bastards more than Reservoir Dogs, but I haven't watched Inglorious Bastards since 2022, June. So next year, for the first time, I'll watch Kill Bill 1 and 2, Death Proof, Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And then, so it's four movies, and then I'll rewatch everything else. So then it's not like the Hall of Fame is just like nine Tarantino well, not nine to be eight because I put Pulp Fiction and Django in last year. So then the Hall of Fame isn't just eight Tarantino movies along with like 15 other movies I liked from the year. I just, it makes the Hall of Fame classes a little more spread. And then next year we can do the episode of the podcast. Actually, I might make it a video on the channel. I'll probably do it as a video where I rank Tarantino movies and that'll be fun. But um, I actually think I've watched more Fincher movies this year than Tarantino. Yeah. Watched a lot of Fincher this year. Really a big year for me and David. Which is funny, because before this year, all I had really watched by him was Fight Club. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. But, you know. Um, yeah, so last couple days, I watched... Uh, the thing is, with Spielberg is, like, Jaws is alright, but um, it's just not... I don't really love it. And I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. It's fine. Um... Sometimes Spielberg can come off as a little slow for me, which I know, I know. That's why I haven't watched Saving Private Ryan, because I'm a little concerned. I'm going to watch it and be like, eh, eh. Very, very scared of that. I'm very scared of watching a movie that, like, everyone considers to be amazing. I'm being like, eh. Whereas, like, Forrest Gump, I really lucked out, because, like, I watched it, and I was like, yeah, I really like this. I didn't think it was slow. Whereas, like, Jaws, I was kind of like, okay. What's weird about um, Ocean's Eleven is that I think I'm probably the only person in America that has this take. But I actually like it more before they do the heist. Like, when it was very, like, these criminals all meeting up and they would he would do his Soderbergh, like, fun, like, cuts or with the editing he was doing weird transitions and i was like i'm eating this up i love this and then once we do go to the heist it becomes more of a movie and i was like oh like yeah it was, it was good heist it was fine but you know i've seen inception which is like you're not going to make a crazier heist movie than inception because inception involves them going in three layers into killian murphy's mind like that is you're not going to top that. They're on a plane, and then they go into his brain, and they're in a rainy day, and then they go into his brain there, and they're in um, uh, a bar, and then they go into his brain there, and they're in like a snowy James Bond thing. Like You're not going to get crazier than that, where Leonardo DiCaprio is three layers deep into someone's mind, and then he goes into limbo, and he has to get out of there, and then you figure out that the guy's been in limbo for, oh my gosh, it's Inception's like the craziest heist movie ever made. So when I'm watching Ocean's Eleven, I'm like, oh, that's a fun twist. Oh, this is cool. Man, I like Brad Pitt in literally every movie. And then I'm like, Oh, all right, they got away with it. Cool. All right, that's the movie. 
Okay. Well, that was fun. And that's kind of it. Like, it doesn't really, um, whereas, like, the first part, like, the first half of the movie, which isn't the heist, is it's, like, all these characters and a lot of quick-paced dialogue and fun little character moments intersected in between, and there was a lot of fun editing, and I was like, oh, this is great. I'm eating this up. And then once you get to the heist, it becomes a lot more standard of a movie where you get less of the weird ed- editing, less character moments, more plot, just a lot more straight-up dialogue. You're, it's, it becomes a lot more of a plot-based film. And that um, that made me like it less. I'm probably the only person that ever said, hey, can Ocean's Eleven spend more time with the characters instead of me doing a heist? But that's honestly just how I felt watching it. I don't know. It's kind of like the reason Die Hard is so good is because you get those little moments of John McClane in the vents, and he goes, now I know how a TV dinner feels. And he keeps, you know, you have these little moments with him. And it's not just him shooting everybody. It gives us a reason to care. I don't know. Maybe it's a crazy take. Honestly, so I've watched three movies in December. I've been watching a lot of Burn Notice, so I haven't watched a ton of movies. But, um... I make a whole other video on the other channel just about Burn Notice Season 2 because I have so much to say about it because I love Burn Notice. But, um, this, in December, I've watched three movies. Ocean's Eleven, Jaws, and The Adventures of Tintin, with The Adventures of Tintin. And The Adventures of Tintin is probably the best movie I watched. Ah, I don't know if it's better than Ocean's Eleven. It might be. Uh, it's Steven Spielberg's only animated film. It's mo-capped, which I don't really like, but it's pretty banging. I mean, it would be better if it was just a straight-up 3D animated film, but uh, Adventures of Tintin, uh, of Tintin, sorry, it's a weird, The Adventures of Tintin, that's what it's called, is kind of great. Like, it's kind of like the lost fourth Indiana Jones movie. Um, It's pretty sweet, and I really liked it. I'm like, this is great. Um, I mean, it's got some elements, like, it, it's not perfect, Um. I feel like it could have done a little more, but I really enjoyed it for what it was. It was probably my favorite movie of December so far. I don't know. The first half of Ocean's Eleven, I liked a lot. Like, if Ocean's Eleven was this first half for the whole movie, it had that vibe, had that tone, had that style, it would be in the Hall of Fame. But it was the second half of the movie. I was just kind of like, oh, now it's a heist flick. Okay, I get it. But I bet most people watch the movie and they really enjoy the heist flick part of it. Which is fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's interesting to look back on the year. I got to decide all the movies I'm putting in the Hall of Fame and all the ones I'm not. It's really... It's going to be tough this year. Because I'd rather have it be too hard to get in the Hall of Fame than too easy. So. It's going to be interesting. Alright. Well, I think that's it. And I will see you all next week for our last episode pre-Christmas. Wowzers. And then we'll do, obviously, the episode post-Christmas. So, all right. See you all in the next one. Bye.